be to God. We're doing a few things differently this morning. Obviously, it's a kind of weird Sunday, as well as being a holiday Sunday and a COVID Sunday. Uh, greetings to those of you who are at home uh, with COVID today. Uh, no sermon slides uh, today, uh, just going to do things a little bit differently, but um, nevertheless, I encourage you to listen. Uh, you may have to work a little bit harder than normal at that, but you can do it. Let's pray. God, help us uh, to be attentive to your word, to your spirit, uh, to your way, to your grace and your truth among us, and particularly in your word. Uh, shape us, mold us, uh, conform us into the image and likeness of your son, Jesus, who is our Lord. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate or are inconsistent in any way with your word, may they be quickly forgotten. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're continuing this morning with our study of uh, our study or our series that I'm calling This is Love. Uh, we began, began a couple of weeks, a number of weeks ago, uh, noting that the scriptures explicitly say that God is love. And not only do the scriptures explicitly say that God is love, but they over and over illustrate the ways in which God is love. And we've seen not only that God is love, but also God, the uncreated God, created in love, by love, through love, and for love. And the pinnacle of God's creation was and is humanity made in God, God's image and loved by God. You and I are God's beloved. As God the Father has loved God the Son, Jesus so God also loves you and me on all of humanity. We've seen in the scriptures as Father, Son, and Spirit exist in this holy union or communion and so have been said to somehow dance together. So God desired and desires to include in that fellowship and communion us as well, not as God, but as the pinnacle of his creation. And part of how that happens is us loving God, engaging God in love. And part of how that happens is us loving other people, others made in God's image, made in God's likeness, those who have been imprinted with God's image, those upon whose, whom God's likeness dwells. And that includes loving one another. In other words, the church, the body of Christ, the communion of saints, and part of how that happens is us loving strangers, as we talked about in past weeks. It includes loving one's neighbors, who, as we talked about two weeks ago, are not only the people who live next door and below us and above us and around us, but it also and specifically includes people not only in our midst, but whose paths we cross, and specifically those people who are different than we are, different in the ways that they live, vote, dwell, raise their kids, different in their worldviews, different in their faiths, different in the music they listen to, the food they eat, the languages they speak, the ways that they drive, the way that they live all of their lives, people who may seem to be a threat to us, people around whom we're uncomfortable, people who may be dangerous. We live in God as we love them as well. And as we've discussed, to love according to the scriptures means something very different than what we speak of uh, when we talk about loving deep dish pizza or loving pedicures or loving the warriors. Someone asked me this morning, are you going to say something about the warriors? That's all I'm going to say about the warriors this morning. <laughs> that the love to which the scriptures call is, is very different than the love that you have for the warriors or for Wordle, or for Disneyland, or for classical music, or for the works of Michelangelo, or sleeping in on Saturday mornings, and some of you Sunday mornings, in here. 
Moreover, to love, as the scriptures usually speak of love, is not about romance, though to love, according to the scriptures, is not devoid of emotions. And while love involves feelings, it is not primarily feelings, but rather action. Somebody say action. And to love someone, according to the scriptures, does not require one to like the person one loves. But why not like them as well? To love someone, according to the scriptures, does not mean agreeing with the other person or whatever they believe or implicitly approving of their lifestyle or their choices or condoning any of their behavior, none of those things. Rather, to love is to wish another person well, regardless of who and how they are, in and of themselves or to you, around you, with you. To love someone is to wish them well and to act on their behalf, to have the other person's best in mind, and then to actively seek good for them, to put the other person before oneself. Thus, when the scriptures do talk about marriage, for example, when the Apostle Paul talks about husbands loving their wives and wives loving their husbands in the book of Ephesians, what Paul describes is not a candlelight dinner, a bouquet of flowers and champagne on the beach at sunset, none of which is bad, all of which is nice, but rather Paul describes the putting of one's wife before oneself, submitting oneself to her and loving her as Christ loved and loves the church, which, as you know, meant and means his dying for the church as well as living for the church. To love God is to honor and magnify God for who God is and to seek God's glory. To love another person is to have their best interest in mind ahead of one's own. Described by someone not as thinking less of oneself, but instead as thinking of oneself less none of which comes naturally for most of us, for most people, or maybe for any people. As our fallen human nature is programmed seemingly from birth to think and to say and to do, me, me first, me now, it's all about me. And then along came Jesus, who as love was not about himself, but was about others, who selflessly was sent by his father to others, for others, who gave himself up, in other words, dying, that others might live. Love entered the world. And now all of a sudden with Jesus, we're dealing with a fundamental shift in reality and the way reality is supposed to work, a reversing of action and motives and purposes and mission, the turning upside down of everything we've known and how we've experienced everything working, the nature of relationships, what we do and why we do it are drawn into this metaphysical reality called the kingdom of God that is counter to everything that comes naturally for us, all of our natural impulses in every way, being now in him, through him, and by him, beautiful, perfect, surprising, satisfying, good, and right. And to this we're called confirmation class students. To this you were called church. To this we are called. So this morning we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 6, 
you want to turn to Luke chapter 6 in your pew Bible or at home, you're welcome to do so. Over in Matthew's gospel, we find Jesus' so-called Sermon on the Mount in in chapters 5, 6, and 7. In Luke's gospel, there's a largely parallel block of teaching that Luke has brought together, kind of like Matthew brought together that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. In Luke's gospel, this sermon happens, as we'll see, on a level place rather than on a mountain. And so in Luke's gospel, we call it the Sermon on the Plain. I'll be reading from chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. Listen closely. This is the word of God. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called to his disciples. He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles, people to be sent. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. That's the plain. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Verse 20, looking at his disciples, Jesus said, now skipping all the way down to verse 27, just for time, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love them. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Ooh, golden rule. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High." because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful as your father is merciful. And now jumping down a little bit more to verse 39. Jesus told them then this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit or a ditch? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And we could read on, but I'm going to stop there. Jesus also told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And this is Jesus' way of saying, listen to me, follow me. If you who are in so many ways blind spiritually follow others who are blind spiritually also, including other teachers, rabbis, leaders, you're all going to fall into a pit. You'll be led into a pit. Your fate is already sealed. So do not deceive yourselves into thinking that you are above your teacher, Jesus, in this case, or that you do not need your teacher, in other words, Jesus, but instead continue as a student to be trained. Continue as a student to bring all the pieces together of the things you've learned. Continue as a student to perfect your craft. Continue as a student with your internship or your apprenticeship. And in doing so, when you do so, as you do so, you will become like 
your teacher. Now, a, physical, a person's physical growth is inevitable in almost every case. Every one of you confirmation class students will continue to grow taller. After that, most of you will, in some degree, also grow wider, like the rest of us. You'll continue to go to school and, and will acquire more information. You will become more educated. These things are all but certain. But what is not certain, what is not inevitable or locked in or at this point for sure is that you will continue to grow spiritually, in spirit, in heart. Over in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5 in his Sermon on the Mount, it's part of that collection of Jesus' teaching. Matthew records for his readers a similar collection of teaching about how people are to treat one another in the kingdom of God. And all of that for Jesus revolves around love. Then at the end of that little section in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Luke records it as be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And there's not a discrepancy. That's not a contradiction. Uh, lots of teachers, Jesus, of course, too, teaches lots of different things. And he certainly taught it one way one time and in one way another time. And it all went to the same purpose. But in Matthew, Matthew remembers, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. As kind of the closing bookend of that collection of teachings. And when Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, that word perfect in Greek is the word teleos, which means not so much moral perfection as it does completeness brought to its end, having arrived, lacking nothing, mature, fully grown, maturity. And the context for Jesus' statement or his imperative to be completely mature is his teaching about love. And so he was saying, and so Jesus continues to say, be completely mature in love as your Father in heaven is completely mature in love, or teleos, arrived, complete, lacking nothing. Move toward maturity in love. Grow in love, grow in loving, which Jesus and Paul will go on to say is the sum of all of the law, all of the scriptures. Now, the student is not above their teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will become like their teacher. The student is not above their teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will become like their teacher. Students, become like your teacher, become like your rabbi, become like your master in love and in loving. And when you are or become fully trained, you will be like your teacher, Jesus, who is the archetype of love, the paradigm of love, the embodiment of love. Regardless of what you know about Jesus, other things that may be true, he's the archetype of love, the paradigm of love, the embodiment or enfleshment of love. And I wish someone would have told me this when I was younger. I wish the church would have been clear when I was in confirmation class about exactly this and these 
things. I wish I would have understood much earlier than I did or am becoming to the importance of becoming like one's teacher, Jesus, who is love. I spent thousands of hours in high school training for sports, athletics, competition, and a bunch of other hours training in music that didn't go nearly as well. (laughs) But thousands and thousands of hours training. You, students, have spent many hours already at this point in your young lives training to be dancers, training in soccer, training in running, training in school, learning the different kinds of things that you do and love to do. Train also and primarily in the way of Jesus to become like Jesus. The word translated as student or pupil in most English translations in verse 40 is the Greek word mathetes, which elsewhere and most often in the scriptures is translated disciple, which we talked about some last week, and disciples train. Disciples train. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians that he was going into and they should also strict training as a follower of Jesus. But the idea of training has been largely lost on Western Christians over the centuries. We go to church, we listen diligently, we may even remember one or two points from a sermon, maybe we attend Bible class, Bible studies, we do BSF, we do CBS, we do Bible plans, we read the Bible in a year or the New Testament in a year, we listen to sermons on podcasts, we listen to talks on Christian radio, we watch right now media, all of which is good and fine, but along the way, many Christians have subtly and or subconsciously bought into an understanding of Christian discipleship that says all we need is information. And this is actually how the ancient Greeks thought. Our way of discipleship has been heavily influenced by the ancient Greeks. They valued knowledge above all else. They pursued knowledge, gnosis, above all else. What they wanted more than anything was knowledge. We read in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul visits the city of Athens where he preached the gospel and told people about Jesus and his resurrection to Jews and to Gentiles, Greeks, and many of their leaders were curious about what Paul had to say. We read in chapter 17 of the book of Acts these words. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus on Mars Hill where all of the bright, intelligent, seeking to learn and know more people gathered. Where they said to him, may we know this new teaching that you're presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. We read in chapter 17. They loved knowledge, but knowledge or information is not the goal of Christian discipleship. You guys have spent a lot of time the last five months learning, reading, adjusting, talking, studying. Information is not the goal of Christian discipleship. The goal is imitation, not information, but imitation of Jesus. 
I heard someone recently say that the average American Christian is 3,000 Bible verses overweight. Just kind of let that sink in. One Christian and author has written that we have educated ourselves beyond our obedience. We have educated ourselves beyond our obedience. And I can resonate with that. I spent three years in seminary learning information with almost no attention given during, during that time, during those years, to imitation. I spent three years in the seminary almost exclusively focused on information and almost never focused in the curriculum or otherwise on imitation or transformation or what is often now called spiritual formation. We're not lacking information. We live in an an information-drenched world. We're not lacking information. We are lacking in formation. Are you with me? Do you catch that? We're drowning in information. We are lacking imitation. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher, Jesus. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, to the, uh, wrote later to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The idea was that Timothy would imitate Peter who was imitating Christ and that those that Peter was sent to would imitate Timothy who was imitating Paul who was imitating Jesus. And so everyone would be formed into the person and likeness of Jesus by God's grace. The idea was that all of Jesus' followers one generation after the next would only would not only would not know more and more about Jesus, but that they would become more and more like Jesus. So you confirmation class students have written some really uh, thorough, long, rich with scripture statements of faith. I've read them all more than once. So good. You have processed, coalesced, condensed mountains of information Continue now with the imitation. You have a lot of information. Continue now with the imitation. The student is not above their teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Be like your rabbi, be like your savior, be like your Lord in love, in what he did and how he did it in the manner and the care with which he did what he did. And who he was, how he was, be like your teacher now. And of course, this requires intention and it requires the, requires the help of God's spirit and it's not easy. Yesterday in our celebration of faith with the confirmation class, confirmation class students and the elders, the students were asked, some questions. One question that they were all asked was, what is one of the most difficult parts of being in Christ, being a Christian, following Jesus? And Zach Wilson said so cogently, loving other people. Yeah, exactly right, Zach. Well said. It actually is really hard to love one's neighbors sometimes, Zach said. Truth. A person doesn't just wake up one morning and love Lakers fans. That's the sort of thing that requires sometimes years of diligent prayer. 
relentless discipline, rigorous effort, and finally the intervention of the Holy Spirit. It's true. And this is where mentors can be helpful in life and in discipleship and why the confirmation class students have always had mentors because it's not just information that you all need from a book, but it's transformation and imitation and spiritual formation that comes so often from another person, through another person, through whom God works in that relationship. How many of you have ever been a mentor for a confirmation class student? Just stand up, would you, just for a second. Great, continue standing. That's a lot of you over the years. How many of you have continued to stand, have been a mentor to someone else in Christ, and maybe not just for a confirmation class student? Others of you, yeah. That's the way God works. It's not just about information, but about imitation to which God calls us. A person doesn't just wake up and having read a book, ingested osmosis, lie on the Bible, but rather God forms people. He uses mentors. He uses other people to help shape us, and that's what he's really after. Now, if you've ever had a spiritual mentor, a mentor in Christ, would you raise your hand? If you've ever had a spiritual mentor, someone who is intentionally pouring into your life as we talk about pouring into the next generation. I know someone who it seems like is continually referring to a mentor that this person had at different stages in his life. A mentor and another mentor and a mentor all of whom poured into this person not information, but helped him with imitation. Confirmation class students, your official relationship with your confirmation class mentor is over, officially. But continue to have mentors in your life. Seek them out. We beg you. Ask. If you want to continue with your mentor, they'll probably say, yeah, they'd love to. But in this stage of life and the next stage of life and the next stage of life, continue to have mentors. Information is free and easy. We've got the internet. You've got smartphones. You've got more information at your fingertips now than all throughout history combined. It's not information you need, but the transformation of God in your hearts to become like your teacher who's the manifestation and the incarnation of love. The rest of us, if you don't have a mentor and you'd like to have a mentor, talk with one of our elders. Talk to someone who is raising their hand. We'll help you find a spiritual mentor or a spiritual director. We will. And then all of us together, those who are so inclined, will train in the ways of our teacher, the way of love. Many Christians put gazillions of hours and energy into training for lots of different things, and through that training become really good at lots of different things. Finance, law, nursing, data analysis, teaching, management, installing power lines, whatever it may be. Don't neglect becoming like Jesus. You know the Apostles' Creed by heart, most of you. You have that information. Now love your neighbor. And if you find it really hard to love your neighbor, then practice, train, get a coach, get a learning mentoring cohort together and do it. 
If you're a solo flyer, then get in your car and drive to San Francisco at rush hour. You will have plenty of opportunities to love people. Or get a seasonal job at Walmart during December. There will be opportunities to love people in your face. Or try refereeing a high school soccer game, boys. Your growth edges will become fairly apparent fairly quickly. Where and how you need to grow in love. Not information. Most of us have enough information. Now, God calls us to become like our teacher. To see how Jesus loved. To walk in his ways. To imitate him. To allow God's love to grow in us. In the manner and the way of our teacher. Confirmation class students, do as well as you can in school. I say as a dad. Do some extracurricular activities, sure, but in all that your parents and friends and teachers in the world encourage and press you to do, do not neglect to continue to train to be like Jesus. And when you eventually get to wherever you're going or to the end of your road, no one's going to remember your GPA. Just a heads up, don't tell your parents I said that. They won't be talking about the sports you lettered in or that you were president of the student council or editor of the yearbook or captain of the cheerleading squad, as wonderful as all of those things are, and they are wonderful. But people will remember, and God will be honored, and you will find great joy. And that's sort of an overlooked aspect of life in Christ. There will be great joy for you when you learn to become like your teacher, particularly in the way of love. I wish someone had told me that when I was your age. In the way and in the manner of Rabbi Jesus, be the one who looks after the lost kid at school. Be the one who gives to the kid who doesn't have. Become the one who notices the dejected kids at school. Invite to your birthday party the kid who never gets an invitation. Ask out to the prom the kid who won't otherwise get an invitation to the prom. Wouldn't that be wild? Be the one who befriends the kids who are bullied. Be the one who says no to bullying. Give your attention to the least and the last and the lost in love. I wonder if someone had done just that in Uvalde, Texas, if 21 people would be alive today who aren't. As you become like your teacher in love, God will do amazing things through you. I'm sure of that. You have the information. Grow in imitation. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. In her statement of faith, Eva quoted 1 John 4.19, which says, we love because he first loved us. And she wrote, I believe I'm able to love other people because God first loved me. This verse is meaningful because God started everything by loving us, even though we sinned against him. Because of God's love, we know how to love people. 
It is again truth. And we have the power to do so. Confirmation class students, your completion of the class, you're becoming members of the church, and for three of you, your baptism today and in two weeks is not the end, but as John said yesterday, a step along the way. Continue to become like your teacher, the Lord Jesus, and in that you will be, I promise, richly, deeply, forever satisfied, and God will be glorified. Confirmation class students, you have studied, learned, and written, and spoken. You have declared, affirmed, and professed your faith. Now continue to be and become like your teacher. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Forgive us, God, when we have been slow to love, even though you've first loved us, shown us the way of love, given us the tools of love, filled us with your spirit to love, put people in front of us who need to be loved, challenge us in ways of giving, self-denial, generosity, kindness, putting others before ourselves, pouring into other people for their well-being and blessing. Forgive our obstinance, our heavy feet, our slowness to action. Thank you for your patience with us in love. For these young students, we ask that you would give them every resource they need to move into their worlds as ambassadors of your love. And through them, bring about your kingdom in their schools, their neighborhoods, among their friends, in their places on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.